Welcome to Cannabis Health Radio, a podcast where we share stories from people around the world who are using cannabis as medicine. The information is meant to raise awareness about the health benefits of cannabis, but should not be taken as medical advice. Now, here are your hosts, Ian Jessup and Corey Yelland. And we welcome you to another episode of Cannabis Health Radio. I'm Ian Jessup. And I'm Corey Yelland. Three years ago, we interviewed a woman who had a botched brain tumor operation in which the surgeon threw away part of her skull. Now, it left her with a MRSA staph infection, brain damage, legally blind, and disabled. But the good news, if you can call it that, is that she's using cannabis to help with her issues. And joining us today from New Orleans to tell us how she's been doing is Shani Kognovich. Shani, I'm not sure, did I pronounce New Orleans correctly, or is it New Orleans? We say New Orleans. That's how you New Orleans. It down here. That's how you know you have somebody that's truly from down here in southern Louisiana is when they say New Orleans. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Shaney, whatever happened to the doctor who operated on you and threw away part of your skull in the trash? He basically got away with it. We, we had clean-cut evidence. We had my MRIs from prior to my brain surgery to taken right after my brain surgery. We had MRIs showing that the tumor was never removed. The tumor was still there from the MRI before and after surgery. He covered it all up. He had four pathology reports stating that no tumor tissue was removed, alert the patient immediately. It was all covered up. The hospital helped him cover it up. And this is something that we found out later on that this doctor has done repeatedly over the years, and he has gotten away with it because he is the highest paid neurologist neurosurgeon in our state no one will testify against him so even though we have all this evidence we have MRIs we have pathology reports showing that the tumor is still there I was totally botched without doctors to step up in our state and testify against him we have no case so we got nothing I was completely butchered and this doctor got away with it, not just for me, but there are other patients as well that he did did this to, even, even people that have died. And he's getting away with it, and he's still allowed to practice. So, Shaney, what I'm hearing here is two things then. He not only threw out part of your skull, but he never did the surgery that he supposedly was going to do. No, he was supposed to, see, I collapsed in the middle of the night and was rushed to the ER, and he was supposed to do surgery. I, I was told that I had a brain tumor and cyst blocking the spinal fluid going to my brain, and he was supposed to go in and remove it. 
Well, he went in and he, he ended up removing the back of my skull and threw it away like garbage without replacing it. He didn't even tell us he did this. We found out later when my head started sinking in and another doctor discovered that he removed the back of my skull and threw it away. But he was supposed to go in and remove this tumor, never removed it, never removed it. And got away with it, got away with it all. Oh, it took me on a journey. This has been years. This was in 2010. And it's just been a journey. But yeah, it all started with that botched brain surgery. And that doctor is still operating on patients today. Shani, the, the, the part of your skull that was discarded, can you feel a, a hole somewhere in the back of your head? Or whereabouts is this? Oh, yeah. I don't have any skull in the back of my head. You can feel it. You can literally pass your hand and feel where I've got hard, hard skull, and then it just sinks in. The entire back of my skull is missing. So I have nothing back there to protect it. I am, they suggested that I wear a helmet every day, but I just, because, and the reason why is because if I fall and hit my head, I have nothing back there to protect it. But yeah, I have, there's nothing back there. And at this point, the doctors were, typically they would have put in something. They would have put a plate in. They would have implanted the piece of bone, put it back in. There are several procedures they do. They don't just leave a person without a skull. And, but the doctors, they, he butchered me so badly that nobody wanted to touch me. And they all said we would not, we wouldn't do it. We don't know what he did. And it's too dangerous to go back in and try to replace that bone. So I am literally walking around with no skull in the back of my head. That was traumatic in itself. But you also yeah. realized that the brain tumor you, ha you had that was supposed to be removed was not removed. So you have to deal with that as well. And how, how did you do that? Well, we didn't know. We had no idea. It took us a couple of years to find a doctor that took the time to research my records and figure out what went on with me. I went to MD Anderson Cancer Center, which is our biggest cancer center in the hospital for this type of cancer. I, we searched, we didn't know what was going on. They didn't know, we, no one had any idea this doctor did this. I ended up going to a surgeon uh, he was the head of Vincent Cancer Center here in New Orleans. He, we went into him just to kind of get a second opinion because we didn't know what was going on. I was still so sick and we didn't understand why I was still so sick. Literally after my brain surgery, the doctor came out and told my husband, she's fine. The tumor, the tumor's gone. Let her go. He told me, you're fine, go about your life, and walked out the room. That was the last time I ever saw this doctor. He, was, he, he dismissed us and wouldn't even see us anymore as patients, and we didn't understand why. Well, we found out why. It was because he knew he screwed up, and he was trying to get rid of me as fast as he could. But it was two years, about two years later, I was so sick. I was, I was 
I mean, fighting to stay alive after this brain surgery. Instead of getting better like the doctor said I would do, I was steadily getting worse. We ended up going to meet with this doctor, Dr. Marcus Ware, who's the head of the Benson Cancer Center here in New Orleans. And he took on my case. He started gathering my records, which was very difficult because this doctor would not release my records to anybody, even MD Anderson. They were requesting my records and no one could get my records because in my records it showed the tumor was still there. Well, this doctor was persistent. He went to the actual, he, he, the doctor wouldn't release my records to him, so he had to go through the pathologist lab and all of this to try to gather my records to figure out what was going on. So this guy who's the head of neurosurgery here in our in our in New Orleans calls me on a Saturday morning and says, Miss Conovich, I know what's going on with you. I need you to come into my office as soon as possible. I mean a neurosurgeon calls you on a Saturday morning, it's dairy. We go into his office he says, what you have, because at this point, and let me just explain, I kind of skipped ahead. I had another MRI, and this MRI showed that my tumor was back. We thought it was a whole new tumor. MD Anderson tells me, well, we're estimating you've got six months to live because you just had brain surgery, and this tumor is back already. We had no idea it was the same tumor, okay? So this guy's gathering all my records, not realizing it's the same tumor. We're all thinking I've got some new brain tumor in my head. It came back already. I just had surgery two years ago and it's back already. They, they give me six months to live because this is apparently a very aggressive tumor, not knowing the whole while it's the same tumor. But anyway, we go into this doctor's office and that's when he told us, he says, Ms. Conovich, you don't have a new brain tumor. It's the same brain tumor you had. He never removed it. He showed me my MRIs. He says, what I'm going to show you, it took a month for me to get these records. He said they wouldn't release them to me, but I got them. He says, I'm going to show you your MRI prior to your brain surgery and after your brain surgery. So he shows me the MRI prior to my surgery, and he says, you see that white spot right there? That's your brain tumor. That's what he was supposed to go in and remove. He says, now I'm going to show you the MRI after your surgery. He flicks the screen, and there's the same white spot right there, clear as day. Anybody could see it. The tumor was never removed. This doctor covered all this up and let me go home to die. So anyways, once this doctor discovered this, he says we have to, it, it is literally right there blocking the spinal fluid going to my brain. And he says, we've got to do something immediately. He wanted to do, he said it was too dangerous to go back in not knowing what this doctor did to me. So he said, we're going to use gamma knife radiation, which is the most aggressive radiation there is. I went in, I had this brace attached to my head with four bolts, huge bolts. They drill into your skull without anesthesia. It was so bad, I was screaming in pain until I passed out. 
They did this very aggressive radiation on me. I went home and it tr I was so sick from that radiation. And what it did is it ended up making the tumor come back even bigger. Within like two more ye two years, that tumor had exploded. I went back to the doctor and they said, okay, this is apparently very aggressive, like we thought. The radiation did, you know, I mean, it, it the, and, and let me just say this, the radiation initially, because I did have an MRI a year after the radiation, and it had started to shrink, but then by the next MRI, it had exploded. And I realized, I said, wait a minute. And that's, and anyway, they told me, they said, well, we want to now do chemo and radiation. You know, if it's this aggressive, we don't know how much longer you have to live. We've got to start treating this aggressively. And I'm like, wait a minute. Y'all think my initial tumor, because my initial tumor, I don't know if I mentioned this in our last interview, but that initial tumor took over probably 20, 30 years of my life to grow. I had migraines all my life and we're realizing the issues I had growing up with my, with my headaches and things was probably mm -hmm. associated with this brain tumor that had been growing all my life. Well, once I had radiation, it exploded. So I'm like, why would I have radiation if my initial tumor took 30 years to grow and it was still, you know, I was still alive, yet I have radiation and it's double the size it was. It, it's mm. the first time. I mean, I said radiation is definitely not the answer. I'm not having that again. So my son, that's when my son had put a message on Facebook saying, um, you know, guys, my mom, her brain tumor's back. The only options they have for her is chemo or radiation. And even with that, they're telling her it could be, you know, just six months that she has to live. Pray for my mom. And my husband's best friend from childhood lived in, uh, in Washington where marijuana and cannabis oil is being used and legal. He sent my son a message and he says, doesn't your mom know about cannabis oil? Mm -hmm. And, you know, treating cancer. And it's like cannabis oil. What is cannabis oil? It's marijuana, the marijuana plant. They cook it down and they make this oil and it treats cancer. I did not believe him for one second. I had never used marijuana in my life. I thought marijuana was the worst thing you could do. Like, I just, I believed all the government's propaganda from over the years. I just, I was not going to try marijuana. And he says, I'm telling you, he says, just look it up and start researching it. I'm going to send you something. He ended up sending me a jar, and it sat in my room for about a month. Well, during this month, I mean, I, I was dying. I was fighting for my life every day to stay alive. And not only did he bring me, he sent me this oil, a jar, a mason jar of this black oil, and he sent me a little bit of marijuana because he said, this will work wonders on your migraine. At this point, I was going to the hospital at least once or twice a week with migraines so bad they would throw me into seizures. He says you could smoke and it will help with your migraine. 
I didn't believe this. I just, and I was terrified to try it. I had never used it before in my life. Well, one day I was so sick. It was, I was in my closet, on the floor of my closet, having seizures and having the worst migraine I had had in a while. We were getting ready to call the ambulance. And my husband said, honey, why don't you try the marijuana? Just try it. Because my husband had used marijuana when he was younger. He he had tried to convince me to use it, but I was still really stubborn and believed it had no medicinal benefits. So mm-hmm. I ended up, I was so defeated at that point. It's like, what do I have to lose? So my husband, who hadn't rolled a joint in probably 20 years, sits down on the floor of our closet and starts trying to roll a joint. He finally gets it rolled. We're lighting it, lit it. I took one puff. One puff. My pain started dissipating. I mean, within one puff. He says, I said, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Like, it was shocking. It was so fast. He said, take another hit. Just take a little bit more. I took another puff. That was it. The seizures, I stopped jerking. The migraine was gone. Not just that it was gone, like calming down. Oh, no, Mm -hmm. the pain was gone. I I was in shock, okay? That's all it took was two puffs. I said, okay, well, if that worked that good, I'm going to start trying this oil. I had an MRI coming up four months after I got the oil, okay? four or five months, something like that, I was getting ready to have an MRI. And I said, okay, I'm going to start taking this oil. I had refused to do the chemo and radiation. I started taking the oil. I didn't even know how to take it. I just take a little bit a couple of times a day. Some days I'd even miss it because I forget. I was so sick. I forget about it. I went in four months later and had my MRI, my brain tumor was gone, gone. I am cancer free today. I have no brain tumor, no cyst, it is gone. I still fight for my life because of what this doctor did to me, but I treated my own brain tumor with cannabis oil and my seizures, I am legally blind, but today I can walk around on my own without my blind cane. I, I can see well enough to cook. To I mean, I used the blind cane for years. I had to be trained at the White House for the blind. How to? I mean, I had to learn Braille. I was a blind person using a cane anywhere I went. And today, I can see. I can't see, like, I'll never be able to see well enough to drive again, but I can see, I can see my son's face. I had never seen my baby's face because I had lost my vision when he was so little. I could see freckles on my son's face for the first time in his life, all because of cannabis, because I had, I had a huge, not only, see, I had, I had an airbag injury to my eye when I was in my early 20s. And my right eye actually popped out of its socket and went back in. I am totally blind in my right eye. 
but I did have mm. some vision in my left eye where I was still able to work. I worked in dentistry all my life. Well, once I had this brain surgery and I woke up from brain surgery, in the mer- between the brain, the botched brain surgery and the MRSA staph infection, I lost the vision in my left eye. So when I woke up from that botched brain cancer surgery, I was totally blind. Not only was I dealing with no skull in the back of my head, having, I was having dozens, dozens of seizures every day. My kids would find me on the ground, passed out, covered in vomit all the time, all the time. I thought for sure they'd find me dead before I discovered cannabis. But I was a blind person. I had lost most of my hearing. I, like I said, I was having dozens of seizures daily. I had so many different medical issues. I was on over 25 different pills every day. How many pills, Shani, how many pills do you take today? I take three. Three. That's it. Three pills. So you're down from 25 to three. Yeah. That's remarkable. I was totally bedridden before I discovered cannabis. And today I can get up, I can walk around on my own. I'm doing things that I never would have been able to do if I hadn't discovered this plant. Shani, I I read, I think it was on your Facebook page many, many months ago that uh, it was suggested that you go to hospice. Did I read that correctly? Do you know I was kicked out of hospice because I refused I refused to give up my medical marijuana and get on morphine and, and, and sedatives. Hospice came here to my house. They wanted me to agree. I, well, the guy told me, I was told I was delusional if I thought I could keep myself alive another six months using medical marijuana and my other natural treatments that I use. He told me I was delusional, and if I continued to do that and treating myself, that they would kick me out of hospice, and they did. He kicked me out of the hospice program. (laughs) Jamie, I feel like you need a certificate for being expelled from hospice. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. (laughs) (laughs) And I was was determined we were going to... They were trying to put me into another pro hospice program, and I'm like, no, I'm done. With, I am done. I am going to keep myself alive and prove these people wrong, and I have. That was a good year and a half, maybe two years ago. I have kept myself hmm. alive all this time. You rebel, you. <laughs> no. And, and no, it's not. It's not. You know, I'll never be 100% better. But the difference is unbelievable. You know, when you talk about somebody going from completely bedridden, my husband had to quit work. We had to give up. My husband worked in dentistry as well all his life. We owned our own dental lab. And he had to give up his office and everything to stay home. It was my caregiver 24-7. I needed full-time care. I couldn't do anything for myself. And today, my husband's back at work. I'm able to, you know, I mean, like, I'm up right now. I'm getting ready to cook for the day. It it gave me a life back, you know, that the opiates, the pharmaceuticals, none of, not, nothing that those doctors could have given me could do 
what marijuana has done for me. Let me just say, because I am so proud of this. I have been able to avoid opiates. This is a 12-year battle that I have had with no skull in the back of my head, having dozens of seizures daily. I have the worst case of cyclic vomiting doctors have ever seen, but I have a plethora of other medical issues, yet I have avoided opiates all these years. I have avoided pain management, and things did get so bad last year because I do run out. I, I have a very difficult time even though we are legal now in Louisiana, we have a form of legalization. We aren't fully legal, but it's we have limits on how much we can get each month, and it's so expensive. A person could not afford to medicate in my state properly. But it's very hard. I run out all the time. And when I run out, things get so bad. For instance, this past year, my doctor gave me a prescription of fentanyl because I was in such severe pain. But as soon as I was able to get marijuana in and get it in my system, things calmed down and I was able to avoid the fentanyl. So it's not fair. I run out constantly. And it's like I'm just trying to avoid all opiates and stuff. Shani, how much oil do you take a day? I don't even measure anymore. I just take a glob on my finger and stick it in my mouth. But I average about one to two grams a day is what I typically take. Now, just, just to let you know how expensive it is in our state, in Louisiana, if you go to our dispensary and get a gram of RSO, it's $140. Yeah, I talked to somebody on the weekend that paid that. I talked to a gentleman on the weekend that paid 140 in his state. It wasn't your state, though. But yeah, 140 yeah. a day for me if I didn't have friends helping me and the connections that I have to get this. It is so outrageously expensive. We cannot afford to medicate as patients. You know, I'm just trying to stay alive. I just want to stay alive and, and make memories with my kids. And this allows me to do that. But I'm constantly running out. And, you know, like when I run out, things get so bad. My doctor had given me fentanyl, you know, but I've been able to avoid it because I've, I've, I've just, I get a little bit here, a little bit there, and I just try to make it stretch, but it, it's sad. I should have access to what I need. This plant is keeping me alive. It is literally keeping me alive, and I fight every month to try to afford it, to try to find a good source. It's a constant struggle. I should be able to grow it in my backyard and make my own medicine. We still can't grow in my state, so our hands are tied because I'm not going to break the law. And, you know, it's it's just unbelievable what we have to go through as medical marijuana patients. It, it's sad. Shaney, where would you be? Would you be alive today without cannabis? Oh, no. No question in my mind. Not at all. No, I had a brain tumor and cyst. There was a cyst actually surrounding this tumor, and it was blocking the spinal fluid going to my brain. And mm -hmm. they told me, I mean, I was given six months to live with chemo and radiation. That's what they could t give me. So, and that was years ago. So, without a doubt, there's no way. And, 
you know, it, it was, we were scared. My kids were so afraid they were going to lose their mom, you know, and this plant has kept me here, you know, a plant that all my life I was against and I was so afraid of, you know, it ended up saving my life. Yeah. It's truly remarkable. And you have, you have amazing support from your husband and family, don't you? Oh yeah. They are, they are just so supportive. It's my kids. They use cannabis oil. They use the CBD oil. You know, my son's up at college right now. And that's, it was funny. Um, he's a freshman in college this year. And when we were going up, sending him off to college, I was packing his little bag, you know, his bags to go to college. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to pack him a little medicine bag with, you know, just, just a little over the counter things. He refused to take it. He says, mom, all I need is my cannabis oil. That's it. That's all I need. Because in his mind, we our family as a whole my kids, they've seen what cannabis can do, and they've used it. My kids have been using it since I've been using it. I give them the CBD oil, and they see such a benefit that my son, he just he refused to take anything else because all he needs is that oil. He believes, like his mama, it's a cure-all for everything. <laughs> but yeah, it, it has worked wonders. It has given me a life back. I used to be so involved in my kids' school and extracurricular activities, and then my life was shut off. I was stuck totally in bed, you know, not having a life. If my kids wanted to see me, they had to come up to my bedroom to spend time with me because the only time I ever left my bed was to go to the hospital in an ambulance. We have, I'd be in the hospital, like I said, at least once or twice a week. I had over 100 ER visits. Mm, now, well. It's been probably two years since I've been in the hospital. I mean, I couldn't go a week without being in the hospital before. And now it's, you know, we're counting months and months and months. And now it's going into a couple of, you know, a year or so. I mean, yeah. that's amazing. Shani, it was, uh, it's wonderful to hear your story again, the fact that you are a lot better than you were the last time we talked to you, and I wish you well. Maybe in 10 years from now, we'll do another interview. That sounds amazing. Yeah, we'll, we'll update <laughs> and keep things going, you know. <laughs> That's right. And I have access. We should be able to keep me alive, so... <laughs> Great. Thanks, thanks for doing this, uh, Shani. We greatly appreciate it. Thank you, Shani. No problem, Corey. Y'all have a good day. Thanks for listening to Cannabis Health Radio. For more information and to search previous podcasts, visit our website, CannabisHealthRadio.com. Subscribe so you don't miss new episodes. And follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. This podcast is made possible by donations from our listeners. If you found the information helpful, please consider making a donation in any amount through our website. You can also help us share our message by leaving a review on your podcast listening platform. We are very grateful for your support. Thank you.
Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Infused, a cannabis talk show, is a -a one-of-a-kind look inside the cannabis industry. Meet the amazing people who make cannabis businesses bloom as they join host Nick with Francesca and Mike for creative cannabis conversations. Get an honest look at the business of cannabis, including trends, best and worst practices, products, education, and advocacy. Whether you're kind of curious or running a cannabis, Infused has can of conversations that count. Infused is available on YouTube and is now streaming as part of the PodConnects network.